This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Your boy, uh, Mike Irwin, always a joy to to have him on. He uh, he's a cowboy fan, right? I, I see the Cowboys are are ten and ten and three. Are you are you believing and buying in on uh, on Dak Prescott and the Cowboys right now? Absolutely, Is that yeah. Six in a row. Like, I mean, they they kind of. I mean, they 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 made Philly like it. <laughs> Philly got made to like it two weeks in a row. That's the, yeah. They look like the pretender right now, which. Feels like a bit of a surprise, but yeah, Dak is playing the best football of his career. It does feel to me like they CD need Lamb to is, play at home, though. CD Lamb's a joy to watch, man. That dude is—he's if you're if you're a young kid and and you play receiver, watch what watch how he goes about it. You know what? Watch watch his route running and, and his ability to get open, man. He's a. Uh, He's a he's one, he he does it the right way. He's talented. Speaking of your boy, you get to watch Tyreek uh, Tyreek Hill tonight. Oh my Monday night goodness! Football. I think he's the league MVP this year, Phil. I mean, what he's been doing uh, and and his longevity. I mean, when when he left Kansas City, I thought, what? Why would you let? Why would you let him go? You know, why would you leave that market? Why why wouldn't you stay at Kansas City? And man, he's just he's just gotten better. Even though he's still played a few one fewer game than just about everybody else that trails him, he's over 250 yards ahead of the next receiver in the NFL. Kind of nuts. Dude can fly. Dude, you see the official come up to him on one of the last games. He said, "No peace signs, man." And, and Tyreek goes, "Hey, man, I'm just here to spread world peace, man." That's like, "Cause no, 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 I'm gonna have to flag you if you throw one." He goes, "What's wrong with spreading spreading world peace?" So now he's spreading peace, huh? Things have changed uh, since his days at Oklahoma State, haven't they? I had to get your opinion on something speaking about wide receivers. Um, <clears throat> this has kind of dominated the NFL debate over the last, well, it's been less than 24 hours since this happened. They came after him on the last one. I don't think they'll sit back consistently. Here they come again. There's a flag down at the line of scrimmage. Is the pass is to an open Travis Kelsey, who flings it back over to Tony. My goodness, this is going for a touchdown. This is a, this is not a designed play. Kelsey's always looks around as if he's a quarterback, and he does this. And I can't believe it. I think it's coming back. Number 19, offense, lined up in the neutral zone. Wow. Five-yard penalty. At a Cleveland Heights High School in Ohio, an old quarterback threw a perfect spiral for a, what looked like an improbable touchdown. That it just can't happen. These receivers can't get out of the way of hurting the team too many times at the end of the game. So Kadarius Tony, of course, was flagged for being lined up in the neutral zone. <clears throat> when, when you it, it, when you saw the replay, it did look like his foot was was right about at the level of the football. But Andy Reid said that the coach is supposed to get a warning from the sideline judge, and then he never got a warning. Matt, you know what this is about. How do you view this play from last night's uh, Chiefs game? Oh, 100% that's on the wideout. That's uh, 100%. You have to know based on formation, uh, if you're on the ball, if you're off the ball, you always look out. You always look at the ref and point at him. And, and if you do that, they, they won't throw a flag on you. What he did not do is not look at the ref and point at him, you know, because then he'll, he'll back you up a, a step or whatever and you're good. And, and so 100%, it's, it's on the receiver's side. I don't know if I saw Tony look. You'll look to the outside official. You look, you I saw him the, looking at the ball. He's waiting. He's looking for the snap. That's, that's right. You got 
got to look out. You always that's that's just receiver one hundred and one. It's it's how you you got to know the formation, who's on the line of scrimmage. You look out to the ref. That's just what they. It's basic. He 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 skipped a step, and it and it cost him. Is the coach supposed to get that warning, or is it the or is it the receiver when you look at the official and he's motioning to you? Because Reed said that the coach is usually going to get a warning, but I don't know what that means at that point. Yeah, so yeah. is the coach supposed to shout out? To, to Kadarius Tony, Andy Reid, shout out to me, get back. You, it would be the hand signal from you the official to the player. Well, we'll feel what happens is you have you have a relation, you, you have communication with the referee out there, and you establish early on and within the first possession, he'll say, "19, move 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 up a little bit. Hey 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 hey, 88, move back a little bit. You're getting close. You know, you just have a communication with it early on, and so you so you know, and it's kind of like a." Like an umpire with the strike zone a little bit, you know. You you talk about it real early on in the thing. He's like, "Man, you're you're crowding. I'm gonna I'm gonna flag you. You got to stay back a little bit more." Or, or "Hey, man, you got to move up. You're not on the line of scrimmage." So usually there's communication in the first quarter uh, to to kind of get the parameters, the guidelines, how how they're going to call it. Ryan texts in. He says, "Well, Tony missed messed up the greatest play in NFL history." Would have, it would have been it would have been I don't know the greatest play but it would have been talked about for a it long pretty, time that was pretty oh cool it was play. awesome yeah I mean I'm sitting here watching that in the fourth quarter I got back from Fayetteville after the the women's basketball game I got back in time to watch the fourth quarter I'm screaming my head off watching this that was that was true creativity brilliance and then I'm like oh come on this is coming back but um, I don't know maybe maybe you got to call it at that point. And I mean, it's not like the Chiefs have never gotten a call or 10 or something throughout their dominant stretch over these last four or five years. And I feel like that's why, you know, Mahomes blew up on the sideline. Did you see him explode? He literally exploded on the sideline uh, based on this call. And and I get it, but I do think that that, uh, the Chiefs have had a lot of calls go their way. Uh, over the course of these last four or five years, so. yeah, it stinks. It it it, it does, but but it's it's a hundred percent the the wide out. You have to. It's just football one hundred and one. It's just the basics, and and he skipped a step, and 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 it's right. It could have been a great great play. Charlie's on the McClarty Daniel hotline. Hey, Charlie, what's going on, man? Well, you guys touched on it. My Cowboys are ten and three, and. I'm is this for real, Charlie? Fan. Are they? Is this a real ten and three? Are you believing in them? Can they? Can they beat San Francisco? Can they? Can they beat a team that's like that? That's the only problem. I and me and I've I've been telling and I've been on this I've been on the San Fran train all year and I don't like them, but as a fan of another team, you know you have to sometimes look at it. You know I don't look at it from a biased standpoint. You know. Um, I think San Francisco has the best team in football when they're healthy. I just do. And until you beat them, that's just the way I feel. I mean, that's just me, Matt. I mean, you could think different, but when you look at their team, offense, defensive line, linebacker, back end, and then on offense, they got all the weapons, you know, their coach. I mean, ownership, GM, everything. I just think, I think they're the best right now when they're right. So that's just me. Until you beat them, that's just my opinion. I thought last year when Purdy got hurt in the uh, NFC Championship game, you know, they kind of got a, you know, to me they kind of got screwed out of that. It just was a bad look. And uh, I felt like they were going to beat the Eagles last year. So that's just my opinion. But the Cowboys are for real. I think they are a top three team in the NFL right now. And you could throw the Ravens in there too. So, uh, guys, I I was going to say, Matt, you were talking about that last play there. Well, so – also, with with offensive linemen and defensive linemen, are, they're supposed to like um, 
wrestle warned them too, right? Do you think that might have been kind of what you Andy have to was be half a body? Too? Yeah, you have to be half a body length up as far as you can't be that far back. So you have to at least be shading half of the other offensive linemen right there. And that's something that they, that, that Charlie, they, they established that early on. You, they kind of tell you yeah. in the first quarter what, what to do. Well, that, and that's the thing. Like, Andy can – and I listen, I think a lot of that too, Phil, was like – I think Andy and Mahomes don't want to come out and just say, you know what, we lead the NFL in drops right now. You know what, we lead the NFL in offensive penalties right now. And when you're struggling in those areas too, you're kind of hurting yourself in the sense that – Matt, you said football one-on-one. They're not catching the football right now either. They're just not making plays for their quarterback as good as Mahomes has been. So he's used to them making think, those plays, right? So that's absolutely. that's some of the frustration, I think, that you saw. No, I'm going. You can also bring that over to, like, the conversation about Arkansas basketball. Why is Mus so, you know, so knotted up and everything and so tense? I mean, he's always going to be an explosive coach, but I think that, that, uh, that early ejection at the BOK Center, I think, was about nine and a half games of frustration that just bubbled over at that moment. I think that's what I saw with Mahomes on the sideline last night, uh, just before the game ended. Well, you know, the Broncos, the, talk about uh, just a, a change of fortune and a change of events. If you're buying stock and selling stock in, as, in these football teams, you know, are you, you selling Kansas City's stock? Are you selling their run that they, they, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year? And then Denver, all of a sudden, they're, they're looking up. They're seven and six. They're just one game back from, uh, from Kansas City in that division. I don't, I don't know if there's an AFC team that I trust right now to go out and win this thing. Baltimore, Jacksonville, don't really trust, trust them yet. Yeah. I, I, I could see Baltimore. I, I could see Baltimore Miami potentially maybe. coming out of the AFC. Maybe Miami, not yeah. too much. But you look at the NFC, Dallas, Philly, Detroit, though they've taken maybe a step back, but still Detroit, uh, San Francisco. Yeah, there's more higher-end teams, I think, in the NFC, and there's kind of a lot of mediocrity in the AFC. And, I mean, there, there might be a lot of mediocrity in the NFL overall. Though I don't know if I'd call a 3 nothing game played indoors mediocre. I would call that wolf. Yeah, that that uh, that South division in the NFC, they're all below 500. Uh, man, that's 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 tough. But, yeah, you're right. I, Dallas, Philly, and San Francisco, they, they could beat anybody. Baltimore, Miami on that other side still. Kansas City maybe, you know. 3-0 Vikings over the Raiders. I mean, that's an indoor game. Gross. The last time there was a 3-0 NFL game, it was in Pittsburgh with the Dolphins and the Steelers, and there was literally inches of rain fell during the game, and the wind was blowing at 25 miles an hour. You could have blamed that game on the weather and the conditions. I remember seeing a punt land and just stick in the ground in that game. This was a game indoors. This That's just bad football. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. Your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. 
Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey & Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey & Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey & Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey & Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Mike Irwin is standing by from Pig Trail Nation. He gives us some of his time every Monday on the McClarty Daniel Hotline, and we appreciate that. Mike, good afternoon and happy Monday. How are you? I'm doing really good. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Bummer of a weekend for the basketball teams, though. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oklahoma was dominant against Arkansas in the BOK Center. I think Musk looks incredibly frustrated. He's got reason to. And then the women's team loses to UAPB and um, shows that uh, right now depth is, is definitely an issue with the women's team. So could have had a better weekend as far as the results are concerned. Yeah, some will consider this an excuse because uh, the women do have problems. But that's not – people will forget about that. I mean, Frank in the old days always acted like if you – played one of those teams and lost to them, it would be a disaster. People forget about that game. What matters is the SEC, and they do have some issues there. They've had some good games. They're better in some respects than they have been. There's just no consistency. And they just got out-hustled, out-worked. They, they got careless, had a lead, started. That, that team was playing really aggressive defense, especially interior. And so the women just, oh, we'll just shoot some threes, and they were missing and it got them back in the game. And once it became a game, they just got outworked. Um, the truth is, guys, you play a team like that, you could beat them 15 times in a row and you lose one time, and it's, oh, this is horrible, you know. But like I say, people quickly forget about that. And what matters is SEC play. The men, um, I will say that when you've got two guys like Mark and Brazil that are better, they came into that game averaging a combined 33 points a game, and they scored eight. Brazil didn't even score. Mark scored eight. They're not fully recovered from the injuries they had. And when they are, I think, you know, it's a different team. They still have problems. The, 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 the real issue is defense. I mean, we all know Musk plays a, a man defense, and you got to be aggressive and quick and have energy to do that. And every year... This time of year, they don't do that, and then we see them kind of come around in either January or February, and they're playing better. So I'm not real worried about that. They played a tougher schedule, guys, than than, than in the past. This is a tough schedule they've played, and OU's a really good team. I mean, Porter Moser really turned them around in one year through the portal. But I also will say this. If you watch the game of basketball, so many times – the way refs call a game, and I'm not talking about it's one-sided or anything. In this particular case, OU's it plays a very, very aggressive style of defense. And I don't have any problem with contact, but contact which gives you an advantage should be a foul. If I'm trying, if I'm trying to go kind of sideways and then cut sharply back into the basket and you bump me back to the outside mm -hmm. and prevent me from doing that, that's a foul. If you reach in with with a with a, a forearm and bump me back when I'm trying to make a move, that's a foul. 
And uh, I just think a lot of times refs don't look at that. They, there, there's all this stuff about the fans don't want endless whistles and all that, and I get it. But if you start calling that, and, and you can understand the difference between contact that doesn't you know, give you an advantage, which Nolan's teams used to do that all the time. They'd do contact, but you know, they didn't, it wasn't necessarily an advantage. It was just the way they played. This group, I don't think they'll get through the Big 12 being able to do that the way they did it. It's just too aggressive. Yeah, we have to be tougher. No, no, no question about that. I, you know, and and Khalif Battle, he, he's a bona fide scorer. But what else is he giving you out there? I, I think Ellis. I think L might be our best true point guard. Uh, and and I don't know if he's in the doghouse or what. Uh, but but he, he's a pass first guard that uh, that I think can can help. But yeah, if Brazil's not healthy. I don't see this team being being but about a five hundred team in the in the SEC. And even with Brazil, maybe they they're just going to hover around five hundred. Maybe I don't know. Again, we'll see what happens. I, we we know guys that he doesn't really worry about where he finishes in the SEC. It's what you're doing at the end of the year, and one of these years it's not going to work. You know, I don't know if this is the year, but um, I just I see some things that have caused some of the things we've seen, and I don't know that that's going to continue. I got to see more to know. They 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 got a stretch of games now where they, where they can kind of work more in practice. If you have to rest a guy for a couple of games, you can do that uh, and, and get ready for SEC play. And we'll see where they are, you know, two or three weeks into SEC play. But, the, I mean, there are people that are scared. They're thinking, hey, they may not even make the tournament. I don't think that's the issue, but you may not get a very good seed going in. Well, they're, they're, we're, t- we're little, man. We're, we're little on the perimeter. You look at Ricky Council. You you, you look at Anthony Black and Jordan, Jordan Walsh last year being the guards. And, and man, we're not, mm-hmm. athlete, we're not as athletic and, and, and as those guards we had last year. So it's a totally, totally different team. It is. It's a different kind of team. And the issue is, can he figure out what they do and what they don't do? And, I mean, his practices are intense. And uh, he, he, he coaches basketball like some football coaches coach football. I mean, it's just study, 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 do this, do that. Here's a game plan for this game, a different game plan for that game. And that, I mean, guys that aren't used to that, it throws them off. I mean, you're like, what is this all about? So, I don't know. I'm not too worried about it, but. I could could be worried in another week or two. I think Muss is worried, and it's just I think because he's just taking stock in what he's looking at right now and what he's seen for the first ten games. And look, I mean, you're right, and other listeners have made the point that the schedule is tougher before the SEC this year than in any other year that Muss has been the coach. But still, you know, you had to scratch and claw to beat Old Dominion, a home loss to Greensboro. <clears throat> that that's one thing that Muss's teams previously had not done. They had not lost at home in November. Uh, this team did, um, you know, even the Furman game. I mean, they had to, you know, find a way to play some defense in the second half. So the, e- even amongst the teams that you would look at and say, well, you gotta, you're going to dominate these teams. You're going to beat them. And even when you did beat them, they were still uneven performances. And it really feels like there's been one game that you've had a full performance, and that was Duke. And you have no problem getting up for Duke with a sellout crowd and people camping out for three days. You know, um, it's it just it just feels different right now, and I think in Muss's mind he can tell it's different because I've never look. He's really he's as intense as a coach as I've ever seen. That's the earliest um, that's the earliest ejection also that I've seen in, <laughs> in in basketball for a long time, and I think he just right. didn't want to watch anymore. 
Yeah, that's that's you're probably right. I mean, you, I think he was probably also trying to motivate him a little bit and trying to get into the. I will say this: I was watching that game early and talking to a guy that was watching at the same time, and I kept. I don't like what Mosier's doing. He said, "What are you talking about?" I said, "Man, he's working the heck out of those refs." That's when the game was close, and I felt like he got to him a little bit. And that's the kind of little game that gets played, you know, back and forth. Uh, but again, they're just. I, I guess I'm getting old, guys. But man. Going through this football season, nothing as bad as that. I'm just telling you, I'm, whatever happens, it won't be as bad as that was because that's as bad as I've ever seen. The, just not even too many guys on that team don't care that they're getting embarrassed at home. There's no, like there's not a not only not a home crowd advantage, you're at a disadvantage when you play at home. There, just, there was just no connection between so many guys on that team and, and the home crowd. Do you think that's why Chris Paul decided to leave? Um, and and, and not a connection between, not a disconnect between the crowd and and the players in no. in Chris Paul's mind. But I wonder if he just felt the disconnect amongst the guys he was playing with and the coaching staff, Absolutely. especially in the month of November. That's that was the word that he just looked around and said, I'm not, I don't want to play with these guys. There are too many of them. It doesn't bother them to lose. And it bothers me, and I'll go somewhere where it's not like that. And, guys, that's on Pittman. He, he let that happen. He was, he, he, it happened right under his nose. And, and you can't let that happen. It's also on his staff. You know, every week when you go out there, you got to be asking those guys and talking to them, what is the matter with you, and figure it out. I don't think it was just the portal. That's what everybody claims now. There's no loyalty. That's being overstated. Yes, there are guys that it, it becomes about money, but that, that's most of them still are out there to play because they want to win and because they like playing football. And if you took the money away, they'd still play. Um, so I don't think it was that. It was just a, a, I just don't think there were enough leaders within the team. You got to have those guys, and it can't just be one or two. On fo- football involves way more athletes. You might get away with that in basketball, but there's too many guys out there for having one or two team leaders. You need, you almost need one in every position group, one in every meeting room, and then you know those guys talk after the after practice. You know when you leave, they're talking to each other, and you got to have a guy that's pushing everybody else. Mike, you buying stock in in Dallas Cowboy football right now? What's what's that? What that? What is Dak Prescott doing right now? Just to be playing at this this high of level right now? One thing I noticed last night, as compared to that first game against the Eagles, they pass protected him a lot better. But he's moving, he's moving better now. When he had that one fumble, I thought, oh, he's going to lose this game on that fumble. But they recovered well from that. Uh, they just their defense was good. They did, they did enough offensively, you know, a lot of field goals where you'd like to see them score, but I thought they'd lose going into that game. I was a skeptical. All these guys on the pregame are picking the Cowboys, and I'm going, nah, you know, and then they win, so cool, you know. Yeah, I'm a C.D. Lamb fan. I, I like Smith, uh, Devontae Smith on for Philly a, a, as well, but, uh, man, C.D. Lamb is really – He's he's really grown on me. And then Ferguson is uh, your tight end. You have he's he's a solid he's a solid tight end. Yeah, there's some energy out there, and I mean, from a from a team that 
over the last few years, you just get mad at them at times. You're like, what are you guys doing? So they're all excited now. I just hope you can continue to do this. If they do that, then they're going to do more than, you know, they're not going to go into the playoffs and one and done. You know, might win a game or two. I don't think they're going to win at all, but any improvement will be okay with me. Um, Mike, uh, the the college football awards were uh, were over the weekend, and Johnny Heisman, uh, Jalen Daniels this year. Did you have any problem with that? Was he a deserving deserving winner? No, I picked him, and I I thought maybe he wouldn't. You know, I thought maybe he wouldn't win it, but he did, and I was glad of that. I went with. Uh, <laughs> People can't believe I did this because uh, I don't like Missouri. I don't like anything about him. But that running back they have, that kid is—he's—he's what—he's what I really like mm-hmm. in football. You—you you get a kid like that, how could you not? So I picked him third. You know, he didn't finish third, but I think he know, finished seventh. Like, yeah, he—he he was solid, man. Yeah. So it was—it was okay. Uh, but I, I, again, I, I try to pick an SEC guy if I can. I'm not going to just do it for no reason. But I thought he deserved the Heisman. I mean, that guy's—he can run, he can throw, he can—he can take a hit. Uh, whew. I mean, he was huge. If you're him, do you I return? Just, you, I, I, I'm, I think Phil is he RG three or is he Johnny Manziel? You know, who who yeah. is that type of quarterback? Where does his game translate to? Neither one of neither one of them translated much into the NFL. RG three because he was he was brittle. He was running a little too much, and Manziel just that just that uh, that was more of a of a student of the game. Yeah, yeah, brain kind of a thing. Yeah. What you deem is important to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I can't predict what he's going to do, but. I just know what I saw this year, and I mean, every time I saw that guy get into a pinch, he just—I mean, they, uh, he just did all kinds of stuff. I mean, he was maybe a little different, but to me, he was Mahomes-like in his ability to just come up with something. You know, I'm going to keep this drive going. I'm going to figure out a way to get a first down. And boy, when you when you when you are that kind, when you can run like that and throw the ball the way he does, whoo! Last thing, Mike, last thing. It's been a week since the portal opened. We're talking quarterbacks here. Um, The farther you get away from the date the portal opens, the more it begins to feel like K.J. Jefferson may decide to stay at Arkansas, and I wonder your your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't know. I've been checking around. Nobody seems to know. Somebody told me just this morning that they had cut his NIL back. It It won't have the same if he comes back. I just can't believe you're going to bring quarterbacks in for a visit if you think if if you think he's staying. I mean, I know Matt. You don't like people to talk about you uh, in, in in the context of of stuff like that. But that kid from Boise reminds me of you. He's a runner, tall guy with long legs and takes up big strides, and he's fast. But he's got a good arm too. I mean, that to me looks like a Petrino quarterback. When I look at KJ, he's not what Bobby described at that press conference the other day of of his ideal quarterback, the, the kind of guy he likes working with. So I don't know what's going to happen. I agree with you. The longer this goes on, you're you're sort of going, what what what's happening here? 
Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! And have Matt Zimmerman in about 15 minutes as we'll touch on Arkansas basketball and look back to the Oklahoma game, look ahead to Lipscomb, and uh, get Z's opinions on uh, what is right with the basketball team, what is wrong with the basketball team, and maybe a few other things going on in Zim's life. Because it just can't all be about basketball with somebody like Matt Zimmerman. Always a joy uh, to to visit with Coach Z. I, absolutely, I, I like to hear his perspective. You know, he's he's been around a lot of a lot of basketball. You you got a lot of guys up there, Phil. You know, Keith Smart, uh, a former teammate of mine, Ronnie Brewer, one of the most intelligent basketball minds that I've I've ever played with. As as far as a player, he's up there on that staff. So there's some there's some there's a good staff up there. One of your uh, former team, you played with Jason Peters, right? Yes, sir. Jason Peters going into the Arkansas uh, Sports Hall of Fame in April. Uh, the uh, inductees were released over the weekend, and there are uh, 10 men and women that will be the 65th class of the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame, which is located in North Little Rock. Uh, Carla Crowder, who uh, was a longtime basketball coach at both Bryant and Cabot, uh, I believe her son Evan is... Um, the director of video for Arkansas women's basketball. She's going to be going in after a 38-year high school career. Glenn Day, who we got a chance to talk to. Nice. We, we spoke with Glenn Day. That was uh, over the summer, right? Yeah, at, your golf the, event. at the golf course up there. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, he's going in. Uh, Al Flanagan, longtime coach at Parkview. Now his uh, boys did his boys go to Auburn? Was that the the Flanagan? Was he was at Park that's View right. and he had a couple couple boys go to Auburn in the nineties? I yeah, believe Wes yeah. played there. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Wes's son, a lot of talent, just finished playing there. Wes, of course, was head coach at Little Rock, and uh, I think he's still on the Auburn staff. Okay, pretty sure. Okay, of that. Butch Gardner, basketball player at Harding, goes into the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, Jeff Glassbrenner, who. Uh, is a uh, world-class amputee basketball player who also does triathlons and climbs mountains. That's an amazing person. Ed Harris, one of the greater golfers in Arkansas history. Peyton Hillis goes into the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Eric Jackson uh, in the uh, racing industry, created and developed instant racing. Ryan Mallett and Jason Peters. So, uh, like when did I say three members? Three members of the Arkansas football family: Peyton Hillis, Ryan Mallett, and uh, and Jason Peters. 
Peters is in his 20th season, man. <laughs> it's shock. It's got to be shocking to you, Matt, that somebody that you played with at Arkansas is still not drawing his, an NFL check, but he's playing too. Man, he's one of the the best athletes I've ever been around. Yeah, his rookie year was my senior year in 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 college. Uh, man, I, I, hooping with him back then, man, that dude had the, the feet. You, that's why you you look at the offensive lineman today. Uh, man, you, you they don't build him like Jason Peters very very often, but it's his. I mean, it's like the it's like the Lord touched him with athletic ability and power and strength and the ability to be a left tackle because he's uh, one of the best to ever do it. Uh, absolutely, but but hooping with him, Phil was was a joy, man. Dude was like so so. Think of the the big kid from. Uh, from Oklahoma, that uh, that was kind of giving us the business. Uh, number number one, I believe, was it for? Uh, oh yeah, and, and he was yeah he, John Hughley. He had he was better than that. Like that dude could 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 hoop. I mean he he was really uh he was an all around. Hughley looked athlete. a little bit. I don't know if I'd look at him like a left tackle, but he looked a little He's heftier. Soft. Yeah, Hughley looked a little soft. But that I tell high school kids, you tell them, you say, man, play basketball. Work work on your slide drill. That's that's a lot of stuff. that's important for your balance and and, and being able to slide your feet and 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 because because being an offensive lineman is not just about being strong. You have to have good feet as well we think sometimes about like that lateral movement you know i think it's underrated in in the in the way in in how you have to do that in in a lot of sports yeah the way you lead off a base same type of same type of thing it's the way an infielder is going to go after a ground ball unless you know so often you 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 might have to sprint a little bit after it but you're going to get into a position where you're going you're going side to side you know basketball's all side to side with defense pretty much uh unless you just got to recover um, and that's why I try if I do if I ever get myself back on the trail and start running again at some point you got to remember it ain't just the forward movement that you got to do you got to do that sideways motion as well and yeah that's why that's why you want to get out there that ladder that ladder drill is is one of the best drills uh, it's one of those drills Phil when you do it you're like oh and then after you do it you, you see the results least favorite basketball drill that you ever had to do suicides wall sits what was it yeah, wall sits aren't the aren't the favorite ones, aren't aren't the best ones. Uh man, you know, there there's a different shape. I'll tell you what what is as far as playing football and then going over to basketball, it's two totally different. You you think you're in shape playing football and you and you are, but you're not in basketball shape yet. It's it's more of a cardio uh, you, you're when you can play basketball and you can go through those practices, you you're in some of the best shape of your life. I just wonder is this the week that you break out the weighted vests? And uh, and the bricks, you know, to carry while you're doing defensive drills. <clears throat> That's the thing about about what's happened at Arkansas basketball right now. You know, I'm alarmed by a home loss to Greensboro. The win over Duke does not change that. Um, I'm alarmed by really, I mean, dominated by Oklahoma. That wasn't that wasn't a close game, not a close game at all. The final score doesn't tell you what that game was like. What I'm a little nervous about right now, Matt, is that it takes Arkansas to be at home against a blue blood with fans, you know, camping out for three days to to come out and play your best basketball. And look, it's going to be difficult going on the road this year in the SEC um, if if that's what it takes for Arkansas to get up. I, I would hope I would hope that the Oklahoma game is an alarm for the players in and of themselves. And then whatever happens this week, I know there are finals, but there are going to be some really hard practices because that's where Muss has got to be so frustrated 
because this is this is somebody that's just used to winning. That's that's used to winning at such a high level. I think that's why Mahomes was so upset on the sideline yesterday. Yes, the call was one reason why, but what are they? They've lost four of the last six games. You know, they're looking at potentially having to go on the road in the playoffs. Which I'm sure it's not that they're afraid of it, but they'd rather play at home. They're they're usually dominant in Kansas City. But for 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 the must bus, I mean, this is the quickest that any of his teams have ever gotten to four losses. Quicker than the than the than the previous four at Arkansas. Uh, and, and quicker than the four at um, at Nevada, you know the uh, Arkansas got their fourth loss in the 16th game last year. That was at against Alabama, the year before, and, and the second year at Arkansas. That fourth loss came in the 14th game, and those were two SEC teams. And then the first year, the fourth loss was in their 18th game. That was late January against Mississippi State. You have four losses in 10 games. One of them is to Greensboro. So, I mean, we can look at the idea that they've scheduled tougher than before. None of those teams lost a home game in November to, to a school like Greensboro. And I don't care where Greensboro was rated preseason for them and, and the, the amount of depth and, and, and talent and expert experience they have on that roster. I don't, that doesn't matter to me. It's the L that matters. That's not a game you should lose. And, and it just this year just has a little bit of a different feeling than the previous four. I do want to believe that Musk can turn it around because we have the body of work in front of us that it happens. And a lot of the time, a lot of times, man, it comes after that fourth or fifth loss. But it's just a lot earlier right now. So in his mind, he knows that this is not, this is not quite the same thing that he's been dealing with for the last four years. There are fans, and you're, you're, I think you're perfectly right to feel like this because you have the body of work. You trust that the Eric Musselman teams play better defense as the season goes on, just like you expect the Dave Van Horn teams will improve as the season goes along because you have this body of work in front of you. I just wonder in Mus's mind if, if, if he even believes now. Like he's just worried about what's going on today and tomorrow and how he's going to work practice this, this week. I don't think he's worried about what happens next month. He didn't want to talk about the net rankings the other day. He didn't want to talk about March Madness. He just wanted to talk about Oklahoma. Now he just wants to talk about what's in front of him, Matt, which is a team that I think is having is going to have some really, really intense practices this week. You know, Graham and Brazil are above the rim players. Uh, you, you look at the the lineup. We don't have a lot. We're not as explosive as we were last year. And I guess you kind of just got to understand that this is a totally different team. Uh, and we're not as athletic on the perimeter as we were last year. Really going to have to play team ball. And the, the, the thing I, that I thought in the Oklahoma game was we just made it too hard on ourselves. We didn't get enough easy baskets, missing passes, kind of being off a little bit on timing. And Oklahoma, they, we, they had a lot of more easier baskets. We didn't really make them uncomfortable. Cabbage Head is here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Hi, Cabbage Head. How are hey, you? Hey, oh, man, guys, you guys. Sounding, sounding great. I hope you've been good, so you get something from Santa this year. And, I and hope it I sounds get like some. Otherwise, I've got plenty of coal already in the in the fireplace. <laughs> he needs any extra. There you go, guys. I I was watching this deal, and I I don't know. I got confused, and um, let's see what you guys think, because you guys are the pros. Um, it seemed that was Mahomes. He was really upset when that thing was over, and I thought he was talking to a coach or players or something. But it wasn't. It was that ref on on that last call. Are they supposed to call call that? Uh, I think we've seen it before. Before, if they see it before the ball is hiked, or do they always call it 
after the fact, after the play is run. And it, but it seemed like to me when they'd catch somebody in the neutral zone or all sides, they'd blow a whistle and stop everything, and you'd give them a penalty, move them back. And do, but is, is that what he was uh, upset about, that they should have called that uh, penalty a lot sooner than they did? No, it's it's one of those where you just drop the flag and you and you and it keep you let the play run out. If he would have thrown an interception, the defense would have declined the penalty. Oh, well, because the receiver I, I has the opportunity to step back. You know, you're, the receiver did, messed up by not looking at the 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 ref. The ref would just say, "Hey, hey, back back up one step." Yeah. Is that what is that what uh, Mahomes was so upset about? That's the call he was it's upset on the, about. It's, yeah, it's on the receiver. But I, I feel like it goes a little bit deeper than just that call. They lead the league in drops too. I think they're just getting frustrated. Uh, it's it's you know you you kind of seeing a little adversity come their way. Yeah, Matt, and, and Henry and Fayetteville is right too. Because when you listen when you listen to Nance's call, they drop the flag as soon as the ball. That's is what you, that's what, yeah that's what you do. Yeah. Well, you know, in that crucial time of, of any game, you know, uh, and and it does decide who wins or who loses. Man, they should they should put more attention to detail. I know they can't do that. Games would be lasting so long, and oh, we'd have to throw a bunch more commercials in to pay for it. But you know, it just seems like when they make a call like that, and it's about a minute left or a minute and a half or whatever it is. It is, it's so important to, I think, to call that to everybody's attention, maybe, and say, look, this is, this is the rules. This is how it goes. But I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, when it was over, I was trying to find out what he was so excited about. And I didn't know it then, but then I learned it after the news come on that night. But it's just a shame that that, 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 that play caused the Chiefs to, to lose because they, they do have some good players and they're playing, but they, they haven't played like they have in the past, but, uh, I hope, hopefully they'll come on. Guys, you guys have a happy holiday. Thanks, Cabbage Head. Appreciate you very much. Uh, it looks like Taylor Green has committed to the Arkansas Razorbacks, the former Boise State quarterback. This is according to, uh, Danny West number of other recruiting analysts out there that Taylen Green, former Boise State quarterback, has committed to play for Arkansas in the 2024 season. It's uh, coming all across here. So now we're waiting on K.J. Jefferson next match. I wonder what the next domino is, but that's good. There needs to be a healthy competition. Uh, you're going to be learning a new offense, so that that's that would be good this year. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry if that's what you're looking for. Come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Celebrate the magic of Christmas at the Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in the historic Venetian Dining Room this Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. From 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., your Christmas dinner includes a salad bar, carving station, hot buffet items, and desserts featuring traditional and unique items. Over 12 dine for $58 per person, under 12 for $29, and under 6 eat free. Reservations required must have a credit card to hold reservation. Call 501-623-7771 or log on at arlingtonhotel.com dining for reservations and complete menu items. 
You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dave and his team have all your holiday drink options. That includes Fireball and Bailey's Chocolate, Jack Daniel's Crown Salted Caramel, winter seasonal beers, eggnogs, and more. Come by Eastside Liquor, 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. Zim, how you doing, man? It's good to hear from you. Oh, what's up, Phil? Miss you, man. Hadn't got to see you in a, in a week or so, and... I always get to see Matt. Matt comes through the foundation and sees us, so nice to be on with y'all. Coach Z, man, it's always, always a joy to to converse with you, man. Love love talking oh, yeah. with you. Thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. It's it's uh it's been a tough couple days, you know, for, for us basketball folks. It's been a hard time the last couple days and but you know what? You got final exams, a whole lot of gym time, a lot of work. Get these both these teams get better and uh, move on starting Saturday and win down in North Little Rock. Get this bad taste out of your mouth and start winning some games again. Where, where can things turn around? Where do you see? Look, I think I, Saturday's game against Oklahoma has a lot to do with OU just being a, a yeah. really, really good defensive team that worked to get buckets. Um, it does have something to do with Arkansas struggling in some areas where maybe we've seen them struggle before. Where do yeah. you think they can improve quicker than maybe some other areas? I think that the defense, which at times has been really good, like it was so good against Duke, it, it, it was good, you know, the first couple, it was great against Purdue. I know it was an exhibition game, but it was great against Purdue, but the defense has got to be something that coach can rely on and know that, hey, we're not, you know, we're, we're going to play great defense, we're going to hold people under 80 points or under 75 or whatever he thinks he can get with this team and the defense is I think an area that's this team, this program, the last three years, this first year was not as good a defensive team, but it, 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 it got to where it was playing good defense, especially guarding the three-point line. But the next three teams all play pretty good defense. And so, to me, that's what's got to get going. These guys got some guys that can shoot. you got some guys that can score. you got a lot of depth. You know, we, there was 11 Razorbacks played the other day. There's games, there's only been six or seven. Since coach has been here, he's playing ten guys a half generally. So there's a there's positives, but I think the number one thing is the defense and guarding the three point line a little better and guarding drives. You know, Oklahoma. I was surprised. We knew they were pretty good, but didn't know this Javion McCollum and and even uh, Oway that those guys would be able to drive as much as they were able to. And then that created open threes and that created kickouts. Oklahoma was good, and what you said was right on. Uh, that was a good Oklahoma team. They're nine and zero, uh, and Arkansas's got you know got got work to do. Yeah, coach, y'all do that old shell drill on the concept of defense of kind of staying in between the ball and your man and kind of being able to play help defense. I I, I agree with you being able to play defense better as a team as a unit, yeah. and then that leads to that leads to easier basket ba- baskets. You're able to get some some easy points yeah. uh, through your defense. But speaking of uh, you know all the new guys in the portal, uh, who's kind of st- stood out for you? Because I'm a big Landon Blocker fan, and I, I know yeah. he's a true freshman, but I, I mean, yeah. just seeing him grow and get better, it seems like yeah. each week. Yeah, Blocker has is, is, is done a good job. You know, he really he wasn't in the rotation much at all the first four games, and we lost to Greensboro, and I think that loss got Coach really stirred about, hey, I, I've got to find something else, something new, something to ignite this team. And then we go to the Bahamas, and 
I think Coach surprised everybody. You know, the day before he had, he, had, he was in practice, he had told you know that hey, Walker's going to going to get to play more. I'm going to give him a chance. And then he, he he stood by that, and he got to play a lot in that very first game, which was luckily we got it. Stanford team double overtime win. We wouldn't have won that game without the way Blocker played. And from that point on, he's earned minutes. He, I think Coach uh, loves the way the energy he brings, whether it's starting or coming off the bench. Uh, the other day it was coming off the bench. And he can do things on defense at some of the you – know, he can block shots. He mm-hmm. changes shots. He's a high-energy guy. And, you know, Layden can shoot it too. He shoots it pretty good. We've not seen a whole lot of threes from him. But he's a pretty good shooter. He's a guy to me, I look at him, he's – He's different than Devo, but he's got a chance to be kind of the next type of Devo. Uh, an Arkansas kid, it means something to him. And he, you know, he could be here, play here for four years. He looks like that to me. Um, and I think that his offense is going to continue to grow. He's got to get to where he can still get in the paint and then boom, hit, hit, hit open teammates and make good passes. And he's still growing in, in that part, but he can drive and he can shoot it pretty good. He's going to be a good, good player here, but the other guys obviously battle. You know, he is so good, at, and he's got to get a little better on the defensive end of guys driving. But, man, he can shoot. He can get to the basket. He's, he's money at the foul line for the most part. And then Tremont Mark, to me, is, is he's my favorite one because he's a pretty good defensive player, and he's got a mid-range. Matt, you oh, my it? goodness. It's so, dang, it's so dirty. Dirty. And, Matt, when he shoots it, when he misses, you're like, dang, he missed a pull-up. I mean, he's so his good. touch, and that his, soft touch, that arc yeah. on it. Oh my goodness, you're right. Yeah. And guys on him, he he's driving and got the other day, and in, in, against OU, there was a point where o, where OA number three was was all over him, a strong guard, and he just created a little separation with a sidestep. And I was like, I don't know if he's going to be able to get this off. By the time he rose up and shot it, he was a foot and a half over the defender and made the shot. And it's a surprise to me when he misses to pull up. He's so good. Now, he's not been shooting a three that good yet, but he's another guy that can drive. But but those guys are good, and um, they just got to continue. The whole team's got to continue to come together, get better. It's a long five-month basketball season. We're in month two. I know they've been practicing every day since the end of May, but as far as games, it's a five-month season of games, and they're there in month two now, so now you kind of start to see the progress, hopefully. I feel like watching Saturday um, you, there's an understanding of how important a healthy Trevin Brazil mm-hmm. is to this team. You know, it was pretty obvious. He just, yeah. it was, I think it's great that he was even able to run, you know, the same week that he had what, what was described right. as a severe ankle sprain, but he just wasn't the same player. Maybe it takes another week or so to get back there. But, um, yeah. uh, you know, without him, I'm not sure how good they are. With him, I think they can be a pretty darn good team. Yeah, we need him because he's so versatile and can he can shoot the ball. You know, he was shooting the ball well from the three and hitting mid-range and playing at a pretty high level. And then Saturday during warm-up, you know, he didn't do much during practice all week. He was very limited for for what he could do. And then Saturday, I'm there like three hours before the game, and when the team gets there, they're usually there an hour and a half to an hour and 50 minutes before tip. And he comes up out, and he's running and jumping and dunking, and I was like, gosh, he looks good coming off this ankle injury. And you were, you were so hopeful and he started, you know, but he just was not himself. He didn't score a point, had one rebound. And uh, he, Coach was only able to get 15 minutes out of him. So I do think that impacted our rotation, and that, that especially on offense, it, it impacted our flow. And then on the defensive end, you know, we still blocked six shots. We didn't have any block. We're always 
we're blocking anywhere from six to seven, eight, nine, ten shots every game. And you take Trevin out, that's one of our best shot blockers. And so it impacted both ends. Um, and I do think that had, that had an impact on the ball game. Oklahoma was good, man. Um, I thought that they had, just by watching them quite a bit, and watching some, like I'd watched all their Providence game, I'd seen all their U- USC game, that they, they'd won those games. But they played better defense than I thought they would. And you could see it early on. We couldn't get, we couldn't get around them. And we're, we got some guys that can drive. And we had a hard time driving around them. And it seemed like the last few seconds of every shot clock, we were, we were having to kind of take a tough contested three-pointer or a shot late in the clock because they were guarding us good. And then you know what else they did? They went snatched a defensive rebound. And one time, we got an offensive rebound the first half, and we hit a, we hit a, we hit a bucket right after them. But other, so offensive rebounding is very important. That's an area we got to continue to get better at. But – for the most part, OU did a good job on the defensive glass, and I was impressed with with their defense. And we only scored twenty baskets. You know, there's not going to be too many uh, Arkansas basketball teams. Coach Moss here. Uh, there's not going to be too many times we have twenty baskets. You know, it's usually you know twenty eight to forty baskets made. So give OU credit for the defense they played. That's why they won the game. Coach, when uh when somebody like Coach Musselman gets tossed, kind of gets a red card to to use a soccer term, and and then you got uh, some of the assistant coaches and Keith Smart, uh, and then a, a former teammate of mine, one of the smartest players uh, that I know, in in, yep. in Ronnie Brewer. Right. Uh, how does that message change? What kind of happens? What's the chain of command when somebody like Mus Mus kind of goes off? Who, who who's kind of delivering the message? Yeah, definitely, definitely Keith. Um, you know, he's been a head NBA head coach. He's been a successful college player. And so much experience in coaching. He's really good with our players. I mean, it was a great hire by Coach Musselman. He's been here three years now. I think back to the LSU game that kind of turned our season. I think it was January 15th of 2020. Was that 2021? No, it was 2022 when Muss went out with the, uh, with the shoulder surgery, rotator cuff, and we were struggling. We were a team that had not found its path yet. And Coach Smart took over, and he went home to Baton Rouge and did a great job on that trip. And is, is a calm in, in how he handles the players is so good year-round. And we went down there and beat a pretty good LSU team, and that kind of flipped that season. And I think, like the other day, everyone knows, all the players know, all the staff knows, that when, when if something happens where Coach Muss is not there, then, you know, Coach Smart's going to take over and, do, and does a good job. And um, But it was we were so far behind. You know, we were down 19 points in the second half. Coach Smart did a good job, Coach Ruda, all of them, to, to kind of keep us in there. You know, we cut it to 12. We cut it to 10. We, we ended up losing by nine. Now, we were we were pressing the heck out of them after, at the end. And I, I love this team. I think as far as they could press, I think this could be a very pressing team. That's just not really what – what we do, but we threw the press on. Now they had a lot of their backups in there. We were stealing the ball in the press, end up losing by nine. But uh, yeah, Keith does a good job. It's a good staff, and uh, they'll get they'll get this team figured out for sure. There's an absolutely no doubt in that. On, on the women's side, Mike's dealing with a completely different issue, and it's just a lack of available players. I think you know you go to pretty much six players. Uh, right now, I think the, you know the starting five are playing. It feels like ninety percent of the minutes they scored all the points yeah. against UAPB. You know, yeah. Jersey Wolfenbarger transfers before the season starts. Yeah. We're like, all right, well, we got Sasha go forth, and and then Sasha 
leaves the team because of her um, her stomach ailment again, and that's just awful for her and for the program. And Emery Ellis goes out with an elbow injury, and it's just you know, it's the, I know Mike Newt thought he had a pretty deep team before the season started, but here it is. It's November, and, yeah. and the depth basically is, has either left the team or they've been hurt, and I don't know where the depth comes from now. Yeah, well said, and love Coach Neighbors and what he's trying to build and get back to here, and, and he's it's just been tough with the, with all that you just said. You know, when Jersey left, you're like, well, how much is this really going to impact? Because you think back to the summer, it was, you know, a lot of talk. Hey, we're going to press and we're going to get after people and we're going to be able to play a lot of people and have this deep bench. And then it just happened so fast. Boom, Jersey leaves. And like you said, Sasha not being there. Emery was hurt early in the season. You know, she's a big player that plays, that tries to compete and battle. She can step out and shoot a little bit. She's a good passer. She's a good screener. She was out early. She came back and that helped. And then boom, she now she's been hurt and misses the game yesterday. And so it's uh, it, it has been a challenge for the staff trying to create some more depth and get some more bench play, and uh, it, that that reared its head against Pine Bluff. Pine Bluff's good; they were better than I thought they were going to be. And Don Thornton, the coach there, and you know this field, we've played them before. They've kind of gotten a little better every year since she's been there. She's a good recruiter, and she's brought in good players. And this this green, <laughs> this girl they had yesterday. She was the real deal. And then you throw Kariah Beck in there, and she played pretty well, Corey's, Corey's daughter. And uh, they just kind of had the recipe. But at halftime, I'm sitting there, and, and, and we're up 10 points. So you feel pretty good. You know, you're like, man, uh, we played pretty good. And Pine Bluff, you can tell has got a pretty good team. But what a clinic that Pine Bluff had in the third quarter, 28 points. And that flipped the whole game. And then you knew when the third quarter ended, this is a 61-60, and you're like, this is this is going to be a battle. This is going to be a battle down the stretch, and they end up making a few more shots. The fourth quarter was different than the third. It was different than the second. It was a grind. It's just hard to score for both teams, and they outscored the Razorbacks 14-9, but it was, that, was, that was a tough one. Talia Scott, though, continues to be a star, incredible score. Had a little turnovers yesterday, but – it's just shoulders so much of the load for this team, and uh, gosh, it was, that, that's a, that was a tough loss. I, I felt for the staff, but they got to learn from it. They got to grow. They got to have a good week of practice. They play Sanford. I saw Alabama beat Sanford pretty bad in women's basketball. So hey, let's go get after Sanford. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.